What is up, ladies and gentlemen? It is your boy, Annoying Question Boy, coming at you live. <clears throat> Today we have a, a little bit of a, a, a new, new trial. Uh, so I posted on my social media that I'm going to be writing uh, over the next couple weeks uh, three or four different uh, analytical and critiquing essays about society, the government in America, and a bunch of different other things. And then I'm going to be coming on to the pod to review them, kind of go over what I meant in a couple different uh, instances and stuff like that, and kind of just discuss a bit more broadly uh, the context uh, of the essays. Um, So if you're looking for something like that, this is the podcast for you. But I would, of course, advise that you go ahead and read the essay that is on blogger.com it's titled essay number one um before listening to this podcast otherwise this might i mean it'll make sense in and of its own self but i mean i would prefer that you read the essay as well but that's up to you uh but of course to all my uh returning listeners you know that we have to go ahead and uh roll that fat intro music So like I said, this podcast is going to be a bit different. Um, so I wrote an essay, like I said, it's titled Essay Number One. Um, kind of real quick um, in a very brief way uh, goes over uh, the history of America's culture war um, and uh, elitism in America and how that influences uh, social ideology and, uh, I mean, really society as a whole, Um, but also how culture, um, and I've talked about this before, but how culture in this country and a lot of other countries uh, is able to be manipulated to the point where it replaces truth. Um, But let's start from the top of the... uh, the essay. So we start out uh, with the preface just talking about, like, uh, I say um, I will never have uh, the proper ability to influence anyone's opinion, and this is the most necessary understanding to come to before you ever make any attempt to change anyone's opinion. Um, So quoting here from the first paragraph, Most people's awful beliefs come from ignorance, as well as set norms and ideals that are in place that cause them to never question their reality or their understanding of reality. These things are so baked into our society, America, as well as other neoliberal democracies that they are not simply erasable. So first we must understand them for what they are before we can ever expect to change them. Most of our sexism, racism, homophobia, etc. are also central to our culture and society that in order to dismantle them and all the rest of these systematic issues, we have to start with dismantling our society and its culture as a whole and then analyze in its, in, it, in its entirety and all its layers. Uh, so what I mean by this is... Problems such as racism, sexism, transphobia, homophobia, what have you, these are all problems that stem from 
the underlying issue that uh, is created by uh, a lack of truth in this country, which is created by uh, an overwhelming culture of freedom of speech and freedom of opinion that is mistranslated into this idea that if I think something, well, then it, it's true. Um, in this country, and I posted this on Facebook yesterday, uh, I believe somewhere along the lines we got the uh, freedom of speech mixed up with freedom to be a piece of shit. Um, as I said to someone who I was arguing on Facebook with, um, you are free to believe whatever you want, but that does not make you correct, and that does not mean that I'm not going to argue those beliefs. Because even though you're free to believe them, most beliefs, such as racism, sexism, all those, um, are those beliefs are based in the oppression of another people group who, according to you, has the freedom of speech to express how that hurts them. And if you don't acknowledge that, well, then you are just not as free to have your freedom of speech as you think, because if you're going to use your freedom of speech to lessen someone else's, well, then it's not actually freedom of speech. Uh, I kind of go over a uh, a bunch of different things. Um, let me go ahead and hop actually right on to, let's see if I can pull up the actual post. Um, so I talk about how I didn't think that this is something that can just happen, changing uh, culture and society. One sec. Yeah. <coughs> <coughs> Ooh, bless you. Thank you. <laughs> um, it's not something that anyone can just do just by simply pointing out that it's a problem. Uh, but then again, I never would have thought that Black Lives Matter and its subsequent movements would have begun to gain such traction and attention in my lifetime either, so I could honestly be very wrong. So, uh, although dismantling something like a an entire country's culture seems as if it's like an impossible task it has been done before if you look at just about any generation any you know era change that is a destruction of culture and societal norms and a rebranding so i mean it is very possible um but the only thing is the culture that exists in this country is so baked with uh hyper nationalism that first you have to also realize that you're going to have to you're going to have to be able to prove to people who have never questioned once in their life their their country and their country's actions that their country and their country's actions are wrong even though that they have benefited from them their entire life and never seen how they can be wrong so you have to be prepared to do that uh in the next paragraph i talk about uh the creation of the United States and the drafting of the Constitution in 1787. Um, we kind of go over um, the Articles of Confederacy and how they lacked any and all governance. We talk about how the people who were chosen to uh, redraft the Constitution were not even representative of the America that existed then because they were members of the elite class. Um, and so I kind of give a little bit of a, a, an analysis of what it would be like to be one of the elites and how easily you would be uh, influenced to create a government and a society that benefits you and your peers and the others in the room while leaving out just about everyone else which is essentially exactly what the Founding Fathers did. I mean, 
all but two of the founding fathers that wrote the Constitution were slave owners, but all the, all of them were white landowning uh, males in a country where being a white land-owning male was all you had to do to be an elite in the country. I mean, I'm sure a lot of these men worked hard and, you know, struggled throughout their lives at some point, but for one, I don't really give a shit, and for two, nobody struggled uh, as easily as they did, and therefore, to put these people who, I mean, honestly, what were their merits to even write this this, uh, constitution... Um, to put them in charge of deciding uh, how a government shall be run without any representation from any other groups within that country other than white male elites um, seems a bit idiotic, but it also seems perfectly on par um, for just about everything else that America has done throughout its history. So we kind of talk about how that influenced society and culture, um, how it, you know, created a a new era of governing, um, or at least it tried to, but it ended up just essentially becoming a quote-unquote democratic uh, Britain, really. I mean, it operated very similarly, except for it just had a different government structure. Um, In the next paragraph we talk about i say uh in the first uh quote here american history like the history of many capitalist quote-unquote democracies is wrought with corruption coercion and exploitation but although many of us might consider the way that the u.s government has been run and is currently being run full of these things the problem is that because of the laws that are in place all of this corruption is perfectly quote-unquote legal essentially Um, I bring up the fact that although it happens behind closed doors in a lot of uh, um, different times and yeah, and in a lot of different times, even though it happens behind closed doors, it happens with a little nudge, nudge, wink, wink. um, It still is technically legal and legal in the sense that it's happening right in front of us. Everybody knows that the government is hella corrupt, but nothing is done about it. I mean, and that kind of translates into the removal of politics and government from the the ideas and uh, understanding of the people and making it something that the people of this country see as outside of themselves, um, something that they don't have any presence in. One shows that this actually isn't a representative government. And it takes away the ability for people to give a shit about one another. Because any time that something goes wrong, they can blame the government. Any time that the government says that there is a problem, they have a scapegoat group usually that they can turn to and blame for the problem. And that's all they really care about. Because in America, the only important thing is instant gratification. So if there is something like maybe going into a Walmart without a mask on just to simply be like, wow, look at me, I don't wear masks because I don't listen to the government. That's instant gratification. Or to walk up to a Mexican family and tell them to speak English, even though they probably speak more languages than you and therefore are more, you know, intelligent than you based solely on that. That's instant gratification because you feel good about yourself. Um, So because of COVID, um, we kind of have seen a, a, yet again, a resurgence of this idea that... um, well, if I want to do something, that's my right. Um, and that kind of translates, too, into this idea of freedom in this country, even though a lot of our quote-unquote freedoms 
are based in the lessening of the freedoms of other people. For example, uh, to those of you who, I'm sure you aren't listening to this podcast, but to those who say, well, I'm free to not wear a mask in the store if I please because I'm an American, um, that is true uh, in a sense, but it is also true that the 85-year-old woman that's sitting over there in the corner cowering because she had to go to the grocery store and now she's scared to die uh, is also free to live her life uh, as long as she can healthily. And you, by not wearing a mask, could foreseeably be uh, directly impeding on her freedoms. And therefore, who is more free? Who deserves to have their freedoms met and who deserves to, you know, not? Uh, So a little quote here. Uh, With COVID still here and almost nothing really improving, we are reopening malls, schools, gyms, and movie theaters, and worst of all... Oh, cool. I, I... Alrighty, so I did an awful job writing this. I said schools twice, but um, the claim is being made that this is an effort to reboost the economy and to save America from an economic collapse. But two things. One, I don't believe that the only reason why we're forcing our citizens back into the public spaces is to boost the economy. And two, our economy has been and is already fucked opening up some businesses for a time being before they all have to eventually shut down again, some permanently, will not save the economy. There never was an economy. It was only a dream. So a few things on this point. To start, um, the reopening of all these schools and everything like that has already shown to be a misstep with Notre Dame, uh, which is a school in my area, having 146 cases in less than three days. Uh, one of my friends goes to SUNY Colville School. They already have uh, one um, positive case. I don't know if they've tested more since I've spoke to my friend. Um, but a lot of schools in the area are already seeing, um, just being open for not even a week, that this virus is one that spreads very easily. And now I'm not one to you know, cause panic because I don't really have all of the information on the virus, but I do know in listening to uh, a podcast a couple of days ago that um, in small areas like classrooms and stuff like that, that is the most dangerous place for a virus because it is airborne. And with all that moving air, it will be spread onto just about every surface, onto just about every person. So if you're within a classroom with one person who has the virus, there's a good chance that all 40 or whatever people in that classroom will get the virus because it spreads so easily. Um, And people like our, you know, government officials don't really seem to give a shit because, well, we got to get the malls open. We got to get schools open, you know? Um, And my point where I say I don't believe that this is the only reason why they're forcing people into public spaces um i've never been one to be a conspiracy theorist um but with the black lives matter movement gaining such traction in this country and such an anti-police and anti-government moving movement gaining such traction not only in uh mainstream media but places like tiktok have shown to be very anti-government i mean they did that thing where they fucked with trump's uh uh, press conference, which was pretty funny, and now it's getting banned, or it isn't, I don't even know, whatever, we're not even going to talk about that. But it's quite evident that the pendulum that has never existed is finally beginning to swing in the proper direction, 
um, and cause a lot of people to question the reality that they live in and the government that has created it. Um, and I think with 170,000 or so people dead from this virus, most of which are working class proletariat people, um, the government is really perfectly okay with those people dying and honestly would be fine with another 170,000 dying. Because if you look at it from their perspective, you have 170,000 people who might have voted them out of office, who might have, you know, helped in a revolution or revolting against the government uh, that are now dead. And I mean, a lot of the the individuals who are, you know, anti-government, anti-police uh, uh, and everything like that are college-age students and younger who are going to school to be educated on these problems. And so if you can get a lot of them sick and you can get a lot of them to die, well, now you have a, a, uh, a whole uh, group of your quote-unquote enemy that is no longer a problem. Um, and there was never an economy, only a dream is meant to say that the economy was never for you and I. We were just pawns within it. Um, we are people that just suffer under it. But the economy does not benefit the working class. Uh, the economy benefits those who can buy into it and make money off of it, which is not working class citizens. Um, so to go back to the fact that the Constitution was drafted by a lot of people who weren't representative of even the America that existed today, or existed then, let let alone the America that exists today, I kind of wanted to discuss, um, just off the top of my head, uh, th this idea that uh, the Constitution was written approximately 250 years ago. Uh, it was not representative even of the the population and people that existed then, uh, and it certainly isn't now. So why is it then that we have not even genuinely considered a redrafting of the Constitution? Um, and in my opinion, I feel that culture and norms and all that stuff really genuinely shifts in a meaningful way probably every decade, if not you know, a shorter period of time. And so I was thinking and kind of mulling over in my own head the possibility of a committee that is uh, only existent to rewrite the Constitution every 10 or so years. Um, and therefore, you know, uh, we vote them in, let's say, every two years. They, you know, can do other things, but really their main goal is the understanding of the Constitution and how it's working within society and changing it if it needs to change. Um, I also talked about how the government in a capitalist society is very uh, corrupt and uh, has a lot of coercion and exploitation. Uh, this is clearly true in just about every capitalist country and this is true in capitalist countries because as is evident in our society the the commodities that are valued um over human life and decency is profit efficiency and power um and that is really only evident in capitalist societies or societies that are dictated have their economy dictated by capitalist societies um, so to turn to places like Venezuela and say, well, you know, they're corrupt and everything. Yeah, because they have only one, um, good that 
controls their whole whole economy and the United States is the biggest buyer of it. So, of course, they kind of got to listen. So, yeah, that's why the socialist country of Venezuela is corrupt, not because it's socialist. Um, and then uh, I also talk about how uh, an easy way to analyze a government and it's, uh, you know, whether it's good or bad, is to look at its financial interests, to look across uh, the budgets that are put into place and stuff like that and see where the money is going and then also see if it's financial interest outside of itself uh the actions in which it takes in order to acquire those financial interests so for example one financial interest for the united states and many other uh capitalist countries is lithium now we i've talked about it on a recent podcast uh and uh a blog or two before about bolivia and the coup that is currently happening there still. Um, and that shows right there that America is, you know, not exactly this uh, freedom-fighting, uh, lovely country that it proclaims itself to be because it has directly invaded multiple different countries, if not militarily, strategically by placing a certain government in power um, that will benefit its own interests, um, and that is clearly uh, exemplified in Bolivia and uh, the actions that were taken there. Um, we also talked about uh, the climate crisis, which, uh, I mean, I hate even talking about it because, like, it's so depressing. Um, but basically, to sum up the, the uh, paragraph on climate change, we are definitely running out of time. Um, we are on the clock, uh, and we are slowly but... Sh- well, actually, not even slowly but surely. We are quickly fucking running out of time. Uh, and the only actions that can be taken to completely fix the problem uh, have to all happen at the same time. We have to get rid of capitalism. We have to change the society and culture that exists within America, under capitalism, we have to completely retrofit the entire infrastructure into an eco-friendly green uh, infrastructure, which, in doing so, will burn twice as many fossil fuels and create as twice as many air pollutants as we have in the last 200 years. So if we don't do it soon, we will you know, go to this point of no return where, in doing so, in attempting to retrofit our infrastructure, we will just simply kill the Earth faster. Um, and this is all, again, interdependent on the relinquishment of, that's not a word, the relinquishing of capitalism and the culture underneath it, uh, from our society. Um, and now, I mean, to really wrap it all up, um, I mean, I didn't discuss any of this really in depth, um, because I really wrote it out. I wrote I, I wrote this essay not really in essay form, just in essay length. Um, but I wrote it as, you know, I write all of my blogs, which is kind of like a uh, stream of consciousness um, writing, which to some is good, to some isn't. You know, if you don't like it, get a hold of me and let me know, and maybe I'll consider doing something different. Um, but I didn't really dive into the problem on this this podcast because, I mean, here's the thing. The problem that has existed in this world that has created all these other subsequent problems has been understood 
and recognized for like millennia or not millennia obviously <laughs> but like for centuries for decades for years um the how we got here has also been understood for just as long so for me just some random kid to sit here and go well this is the problem this is how we got here this is what we got to do to fix it i mean is all well and good for the 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 point of the podcast and everything like that um but again, I wrote it all out in the blog, so if you read that, you know. But also at the same time, I mean, it's now it's no longer time for explaining. It's no longer time for discussing. It's no longer really time for educating. It's time for a revolution. And I mean that genuinely. Um, the country that exists today, America, is one that cannot be allowed to continue to exist. Um it is the central point for just about every economic, societal, uh, you know, environmental problem that exists across the world and has influenced many other governments to do the same. And therefore, the U.S. is losing its grip on the hegemonic uh, control of the world as well as the economic control of the world so we're slowly starting to see the decline of the american empire which is good because it's route or it's it's wrought for revolution but also we have to take into consideration that because the united states has lost its grip on the uh, worldwide economic and hegemonic stage um, after hopefully the defeat of the american system that exists today uh we will have to turn our attention towards um other countries and things like that and that is what i will be discussing in my next essay uh it's going to be called uh probably essay number two but it's going to be about after the revolution uh how we have to restructure the government and culture and society in america but also how we have to take actions outside of america to um really relinquish this earth of capitalism and the culture that capitalism and consumerism create so yeah uh hopefully you'll be looking out for that thanks once again for listening guys uh to those of you who didn't read um my blog already about you know this essay that that i was talking about you can go on blogger.com to annoying question boy and find essay number one Go ahead and read that if you don't mind and then listen to this podcast again and maybe it'll make a bit more sense. Uh, Also, for those who don't know, I do, obviously, a podcast, I do a blog, and I do a YouTube channel, All Annoying Question Boy. My podcast can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and just about everywhere else that podcasts are available. Um, My blog is on blogger.com and my YouTube channel is, of course, Annoying Question Boy on YouTube. Um, I also have social media. I have Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok for the time being, all at Annoying Question Boy, of course. Um, I hope that you guys enjoyed this podcast. I will be releasing a bonus pod later today uh, with my friend Troy, so be on the lookout for that. And also be on the lookout for essay number two and the subsequent podcast that I'm going to record about it. I hope everyone is staying safe and healthy. I hope everyone is uh, furthering themselves down 
the leftist trail and realizing how awful this country, its government, and its practices are, and advancing themselves uh, intellectually and also um, politically. Uh, so, yeah, go ahead and have a great day, guys. Fuck 12, fuck white America, and uh, I'll see you soon. Bye.